This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Hello and thanks for downloading today's podcast. I'm Jamie Long. It's Thursday, March the 17th. And first, there have been big problems in Dover today as it's understood hundreds of staff at P&O ferries have been made redundant. I'm joined by Kent Online's business editor, Chris Britcher, and this seems to have come a bit out of the blue, hasn't it? What do we know so far? Yes, you're absolutely right. came as a shock to everyone, I think. Um, first we knew about it this morning was when the company tweeted out to those with bookings that its vessels would not be sailing for several hours. Now that set alarm bells ringing and there was speculation as to the cause. Those with bookings were instead shifted to rival cross-channel operators. The company said an announcement was to be made but the company was not going into liquidation. However, union bosses then said they feared onboard staff were to be made redundant and replaced with a cheaper agency crew. And that, of course, is exactly what's happened. All of its cross-channel ferries were told to return to port and, just after 11am, staff were told their employment was being terminated with immediate effect. Agency staff, we understand, were dockside ready to replace them. Not surprisingly, the RMT union, which represents many of the staff, has, has reacted angrily and told crews to remain on board. But it's the worst possible news for around 800 staff, not just on the channel crossings, but the other routes it operates around the country. Well, some difficult news for staff at P&O Ferries today, Chris. And we understand the company's faced some financial difficulties too. When the company finally made its announcement at around lunchtime, it revealed it had been losing some £100 million a year. More concerningly, it added, was that this meant P&O's ferries, quote, was not a viable op business. Now, the reasons for P&O's decline over the years have varied. Many remember, of course, when it ruled the seas during the 80s and 90s heyday. But since then, the Channel Tunnel has taken a huge chunk of cross-channel traffic, duty-free trips ended for many years, and more recently, it's seen increased competition from the likes of Irish ferries and DFDS. And, of course, it has been hit hard by the pandemic. Like other travel operators, the travel restrictions delivered a huge blow to its bottom line. And clearly it felt this drastic step was one way of tackling the issue. As its statement says, our survival is dependent on making swift and significant changes now. But that, of course, will come as little comfort to the hundreds of families in East Kent who will be affected by today's redundancies. Chris, thanks very much. Well, in their statement today, P&O Ferries says in making this tough decision, they're securing the future viability of the business, which employs an additional 2,200 people and supports billions in trade in and out of the UK. They say they're ensuring that they can continue serving customers in a way that they've demanded from them for many years. Well, Safdar Khanna was meant to be catching a service from Calais to Dover this morning. He told me he had no idea what was going on when he arrived at the port. Just literally been given a letter saying that we can't we can't cross. The, after they gave me that letter, I said, so listen, what do I do? At that, I, I actually had the woman on the phone um, from the, the Dover Freight Services at the same time as this the guy came and gave me this letter. I said, what do you mean? He said, basically, just go out and buy another ticket with the FDS. I said, who's going to refund my money? And he said, uh, nothing to do with me. So I got a bit stressed out with him. I had the woman on the, the P&O uh, line from, from England, or manager, account manager, whatever. She said, don't worry, I'll refund you. I'll get it sorted. Just go and buy another ticket from the FDS. So um, 
I then went back out of the port, joined another massive queue full of lorry drivers. And at that point, I realised what's actually going on. There's loads of lorry drivers all like displaced at the minute. Um, I went in the P&O office, got a refund from them. At the same time I was getting a refund, there was another lorry driver who came in to show him his documents. And they said, we don't care about your documents today. Go away, we can't do anything. And I just thought that was dead cheeky. And then, um, and then that's it, I got my refund. I went to the DFDS office, got a new ticket, which I've got here now. And I've just come and checked in. So I'm back in the same place I was about five or six hours ago now. To be honest, I think I'm one of the lucky ones. I've actually been at the front of the queue. I'm back here ready to get on a boat. There's a massive queue of, uh, of drivers and a lot of them have no idea what's going on. And uh, P&O have just shut all the booths. So there's literally nothing they can do. If they're booked on with P&O, I don't know what they would do. Kent Online News. Next today, the owner of a cat that was randomly punched in the face in Dartford by a teenager says she's outraged after police dropped the investigation. Doorbell camera footage at Kent Online shows 13-year-old Lorcan being attacked outside Megan Good's home in Cranford Road. Kent police say they're not investigating further as the pet didn't suffer any physical injuries and there's no reasonable way to identify who did it. The Kent schools paid tribute to a teenage boy who's thought to have been found dead near Owsford. Ryan Hughes went missing from his home in Eccles last month and a body was found in the River Medway three weeks later. The heads of Oakwood Park Grammar has described the 17-year-old as a fine young man and says they'll be offering support to pupils and staff. Elsewhere, bus drivers in Canterbury are worried a new Taco Bell on an industrial park will cause traffic problems. Stagecoach bosses have asked for the plans for the site off Sturry Road to be rejected, saying the area is already congested. The chain wants to open a restaurant near an existing KFC and McDonald's. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Now, Dartford's MP has withdrawn his support for plans to build a huge theme park on the Swanscombe Peninsula. The idea of the London Resort was first suggested more than 10 years ago, but still doesn't have any planning permission. Gareth Johnson says it's affecting businesses in the area who are threatened with eviction, and he says he's had enough. I think we're all exasperated by just how long this has taken. It has literally hung over the heads of businesses uh, on the Swanscombe Peninsula uh, for over 10 years now. There's somewhere between hundreds and thousands or thousands of people who, who work on the Swanscombe Peninsula. And those businesses, they cannot invest in their companies. They can't plan for the future because at any time they could be compulsory purchased. Um, it's also become clear to me that this company, LRCH, a developer, um, doesn't have the right vision for Dartford. We've not had any satisfactory answers to what would happen with the traffic, for example. And also, it's also become very clear to me just what how damaging this project would be to the environment on Swanscombe Peninsula, the wildlife that's there at the moment. And for all those reasons and others, you know, I think it's time for us to say enough is enough. Uh, to LRCH uh, that you know, it's time now for them to move on and withdraw their application. How easy is it going to be to stop them? I mean, are you quite keen for them to, to put a halt to this? Because, I mean, they're, they're still advertising and they're still telling us they're, they're still preparing to open. They're still going through the process. 
The next stage is that for the planning inspector at the end of this month to make a decision whether or not they're going to allow LRCH to have any more time or whether they're going to say, no, get on with it and make your application. If they get on and make their application, that application then has to be determined. I think the point of me coming out and saying, no, I, I no longer support this project is to say to the inspectorate, look, LRCH have not engaged with the local community. We said right from the very beginning that they had to be an integral part of Dartford. They couldn't just do this to Dartford. They had to do it with Dartford because if this theme park application were to go ahead and it were to be built, it would change the whole character of the locality. So they need to have local people's interests at their heart and they have failed totally to engage with local people they don't communicate with me they don't communicate with local authorities they don't communicate with development corporations in the area and, and so therefore i think it's fair to say well look they haven't satisfied what the inspectorate wanted of them which is which is to engage with local people and, and of course this is uh, an NSIP as it's known so therefore is a planning application determined by central government which cannot be amended it's a take it or leave it situation and so therefore they have to engage and get it right first time and take on board local people's concerns and considerations and, and they just haven't done that I'm afraid and, and, and therefore for that reason I don't feel it would be the interest of Dartford for this theme park to be built. I've been speaking today to uh, Bug Life, one of the groups who are really, are really fighting to, to not have the, the theme park there because they're saying how important the site is. Obviously, it was given SSSI status as well. Have you been surprised by how important for wildlife that is? Because that's kind of emerged over the past couple of years, hasn't it? So was it an area you didn't particularly know too much about before then? I think it's true. I think I've, I've sort of had a slow process of education about just how important the Swanscombe Peninsula is for bugs. Uh, you mentioned bug life there, but also for migrating birds, for example. This is a location where migrating birds come from Scotland or from Northern England, and they use the Swanscombe Peninsula as a stop off on their way to Africa. It's incredibly important. It's, it's marshland, it's on the Thames there, but it's not just bird life, it's a whole range of different wildlife there. And actually, it's getting better and better because it's been left alone now by the cement companies for such a long period of time. It is becoming a, in, an increasingly important part of our natural habitat. And so, therefore, there's an opportunity now to really enhance that, to have schools and local people using that as a local asset for the area and if we can do that we can really make a positive thing out of this and ensure that this sort of wildlife area is preserved not just for us but for future generations as well. That's Gareth Johnson, the MP for Dartford. Well, Jamie Robbins is from Bug Life. He's welcomed the MP's stance and says the land must be saved. We've been working with other NGOs and the Save Sponsor Peninsula Group for the last couple of years to to tell everyone how important the wildlife is at the Swanscombe Peninsula and that it's just the wrong place for a theme park. And we applaud Gareth Johnson for coming out today and saying very clearly, Dartford can do better than this theme park. Um, he wants the wildlife there to be kept for future generations, which is exactly what we want to hear from our MPs during a biodiversity crisis. Um, he said that in the past he he had supported it and he'd called for the people behind the project to, to liaise very closely with the people of, of that area. And he says basically that hasn't happened and he's got just got incredibly frustrated. Is that kind of how you feel that just you you haven't really been listened to and and maybe you, you as well haven't received enough information? So we've been working closely with the local community who have told us that they haven't been consulted and Bug Life and the other NGOs, we haven't been consulted by London Resort, their ecologists or their representatives either. 
which which really isn't good enough when we're we need to work together um even if we have different positions we need to try and talk to each other to try and work out how how best to save the habitats on site we won't always see eye to eye but it's still always important to have that conversation uh, but they've just simply failed to engage and they've shown none of the willingness to to work with anyone locally to make this happen um, just remind us, for anyone who doesn't know, Jamie, how significant is this area of land for wildlife? The Swanskin Peninsula is an, it's an outstanding wildlife site. It's this really rich, complex mosaic of, of grazing marsh and grasslands and scrub, wetlands and brownfield habitat. It's like nowhere else in the Thames estuary. There are, there's over 2,000 species of invertebrates, including the distinguished jumping spider. There's more breeding bird species there than any other uh, RSPB site in the Thames estuary. Uh, it's got uh, otters and water voles. It really is a wildlife oasis surrounded by uh, by industry and urban and urban environment. So it's really important that we retain the last of these more wild, untamed habitats in the Thames estuary. So again, we're not against the idea of a theme park, just not on the Swanskin Peninsula. It needs to be somewhere else. Kent Online News. Now, three alleyways in Ashford have been taped off as police investigate a sexual assault. Officers have been standing guard at Taylor's Passage off the High Street, a cut through leading to the Parkmore Shopping Centre and Northbrook Lane off Canterbury Road. The attack is thought to have happened last night. So-called boy racers and dangerous drivers in Dartford could face fines of up to £1,000. The council there is asking for your thoughts on plans for a borough-wide public spaces protection order to tackle antisocial driving. Residents living in the Crossways Boulevard area of Greenhive say late-night meetups are keeping them awake at night, with drivers speeding at up to 80 miles per hour. Elsewhere, a person's been treated by paramedics after a boat caught alight in Medway. They were checked over after breathing in smoke following the blaze off Canal Road in Strood this morning. Crews spent over an hour tackling the flames. Luke Gallagher is landlord of the boat house in Strood. He says it could have been avoided. Well, it was an accident waiting to happen. Um, I've been warning the council for months about how unsafe it is over there and how him burning... Uh, wood and plastic on his boat, it's very unsafe and it's all just been brushed under the carpet really. Uh, years of, it's been years uh, of Medway Council telling me that they're going to be doing something about it and rehoming people on the boats and nothing's happened and it's just somebody else's problem but Medway Council should be held to account about this because I think this is all very preventable. Well, we've asked Medway Council for a comment. Now at Kent Online, you can see the first pictures inside the famous Wonky Shop on Rochester High Street that's been turned into a new micro-pub. The Wolfen Castle is being opened by a self-confessed craft beer fan who only got a licence to serve alcohol four weeks ago. He's given up his London job to run it and is due to open for the first time tomorrow. And finally, a famous steam train has been travelling through Kent today. The Flying Scotsman was built nearly 100 years ago and became the first locomotive in the UK to officially reach 100 miles per hour. Well, it's been travelling through Canterbury, Ashford, Dover, Folkestone and Wye. These people have been waiting at Canterbury West Station to see it. I'm happy to see some, well, see Scotsman come down this way. It's unusually, it's very unusual for it to come through this way. Like, obviously it's been in a one in 50 year event, so I'm very excited to see it.
We've come from Margate today to see the Flying Scotsman as a part of our work with Hornby. Yeah, and we're very excited to, to see such a historic locomotive and hopefully get some, some nice photos and videos with our train set. Uh, we've come down because my mum loves trains and I love trains, so we've just come down to see the Flying Scotsman come in. Um, just for the day, quite excited. Didn't realise there would be quite so many people. <laughs> well, there are plenty of pictures over at Kent Online. That's all for today's podcast. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can also subscribe to the ad-free premium version of Kent Online, where you can also access all of our newspaper titles and exclusive content. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.